From our offices in Media City, Dubai, I'm John Lillywhite and this is the UAE Tech Podcast Expo Edition, a celebration of how technology is reshaping culture, economics and governance for the 21st century, brought to you by Albawaba Business. If you're interested in sponsoring the UAE Tech Podcast, tune in at the end of this episode for more information. Uh, I've been working, as you said, for with governments for the last uh, 10, 20 years, and uh, they have a big issue uh, regarding data because uh, they understand that with uh, the data wave, they need to find a way of stocking this data. And they've been through uh, using some US, uh, the big players, the hyperscalers. And, and now what they've seen is that because of the different laws that have been established in the US, they feel a bit at risk for their own data privacy. Uh, let me say a few words on, there are two acts. The first one is called the Patriot Act, mm. which was done by uh, George W. Bush in uh, 2001. Uh, and the objective of this act was to give authority to the US government to surveil and intercept whatever relevant information on terrorism. And then to clarify things in 2018, uh, Donald Trump signed what is called the Cloud Act, which clarified the law on overseas use of data. And uh, basically it gives easy access to the US government entities on all the data stored in uh, US owned data centers overseas. So so, uh, because of this cloud act, I saw lots of governments coming to me saying, Arno, how can we develop you know, another proposal, uh, we would like to have our sovereign data centers in our country. We would like to host everywhere but in the US. So when uh, Deep Square told us about uh, this, uh, this uh, great opportunity and idea, I thought it was, you know, uh, perfect for lots of the governments I've uh, worked with. So I would say that is the first point. And the second point being in Dubai, uh, sustainability is very high on uh, Dubai's agenda, you know very well that uh, the Dubai wants to be a zero carbon footprint by 2050. And, and, and there are lots of very smart guys working on how to achieve that. And, and by having zero carbon footprint data centers is one of the important pieces of the puzzle. In 1965, Gordon Moore, the co-founder of Fairchild Semiconductor and Intel, famously predicted that the number of components in an integrated computer circuit would double every year. In 1975, this forecast was revised to doubling every two years. These exponential changes in computing power are today visible all around us. But what you might not realize is that at the high performance end, a few giant corporations control almost everything. According to the Deep Square project, today big tech controls 76% of cloud computing. That's an issue because it's high-performance cloud servers that power neural networks, an increasingly critical infrastructure, and are also used by engineers, scientists, and researchers across the world to train AI deep learning algorithms. The MIT Technology Review recently found that training a single AI model can emit as much carbon as five cars in their lifetimes. The Antithesis Group has found that 30% of the servers deployed worldwide remain idle. 
Finally, as many in the public policy sector are aware, many nation states and governments are nervous about hosting their data on services which are ran by private corporations based in the USA. Today we're talking with Diamond Dalton, CEO of CSSquare.ai and project lead at DeepSquare. Joining the discussion we also have Arnaud de la Chapelle, an industry tech leader who has worked with Idemia and VFS Global at the highest levels here in Dubai. DeepSquare is a European-based project to make high-performance computing distributed and privacy-enabled on the blockchain. Their data processing center, based in Switzerland, runs on renewable energy. The heat generated by the center is captured and sold back to industry. Finally, a token-based community management system brings Web3 governance structures out of the virtual asset market and into real-world infrastructure. DeepSquare is based on a convergence of emerging technologies. For example, it's currently based on the Ethereum blockchain. So a lot of this episode was about figuring out how everything fits together and what the future of distributed high-performance computing might look like in the future. What emerges is the beginnings of a new structure for HPC, or high-performance computing, engineered with the principles of access, energy sustainability, and co-ownership in mind. Today we're talking to Deep Square. Um, we have Arnaud de la Chapelle and Diemo Dalton on the call. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks for, Thanks for having us, John. So very quickly, what is Deep Square and how did you both get involved? Deep Square is really a, a project around pro providing HPC, so high performance computing as a service. Um, in a different fashion to how it's been offered to date. So first of all, we talk about it being decentralized, uh, community owned. We have a large focus on sustainability. I'm sure we'll get into all of these points as well as we go along um, and also transparency. Okay, HPC so- HPC as a service in its essence. Yeah, so I had a quick look at the, the white paper um, and the investor deck, and it, it's pretty fascinating. And for those who are thinking, you know, high performance computing, this is pretty niche. Well, in a way, not so much, actually. Most of us use these services on a daily basis. But I pulled up a couple of quotations that I thought were, were fascinating, and maybe we can go into a little bit um, about the problem Deep Square is, is trying to solve, and also how both of you got involved and why you think it's fascinating. Um, there's one quote here from the MIT Technology Review that says, training a single AI model can emit as much carbon as five cars in their lifetimes. Deep learning has a terrible carbon footprint. Have another one here from Antithesis Group. There may be as many as 10 million physical servers. 30% of the servers deployed worldwide are not doing any work. They're just idle. And then finally, AWS, um, Amazon Web Services, and Microsoft Azure will bring in around three-fourths of all revenues in public cloud computing platforms this year, tech monitors. So we kind of have three themes here. We have the carbon footprint, um, particularly with regard to AI and deep learning. And I know, um, Dee, that's something that you've worked on. Um, we also have the idea that a lot of the existing infrastructure isn't being used. And we also have this idea of... of 
competition and how difficult it is. So just to throw you both in at the deep end, um, how is Deep Square approaching some of these problems? And, and when you walk into the room and have your five second pitch, what does it kind of uh, sound like? So as I mentioned, uh, we have sustainability at the core of our project. And actually it's what brought a lot of the founders together within Deep Square. Um, we were looking for a holistic solution, and that's what you have to do when you're focusing on something like this and tackling such a large problem. There's nothing wrong with AI, et cetera, but things that will add to the carbon footprint, et cetera, we need to address. Absolutely. So that's why we insist on green energy, which is locally produced and not some type of offset or something else which is in, in a zone which is not affecting the immediate area. We have to ensure that the hardware being used is also designed and put together in a way that is optimized uh, in order to reduce waste. Um, it doesn't have as much metal or as much plastic or as uh, or similar servers. We also have to ensure that we are capturing and reusing that heat where it is needed anyway. So essentially, we are replacing an existing heating system, which was only using energy to produce heat. So now we're using energy to produce heat, but we have this bi product of compute as well. That's fascinating. So uh, I know that you're the CEO of csquare.ai uh, and the project lead at DeepSquare and that you've worked at kind of, um, you know, on deep learning and, and, and machine learning in the past. So you kind of understand how that works. Um, Arno, I thought we could also mention that you have experience in the tech sector for governments, financial institutions and mobile op operators, including 13 years uh, full PL, and you've worked with companies such as Idemia, I think that's correct, and VFS Global. What really drew you in um, to Deep Square? And why do you think it's such an interesting case study for countries like the UAE in particular? So I thought it was a very exciting project when I was uh, taught about it because it solves a big problem. Uh, I've been working, as you said, for, with governments for the last uh, 10, 20 years. And uh, they have a big issue uh, regarding data because uh, they understand that with uh, the data wave, they need to find a way of stocking this data. And they've been through uh, using some US, uh, the big players, the hyperscalers. And, and now what they've seen is that because of the different laws that have been established in the US, they feel a bit at risk for their own data privacy. Uh, let me say a few words on, there are two acts. The first one is called the Patriot Act, mm. which was done by uh, George W. Bush in uh, 2001. Uh, and the objective of this act was to give authority to the US government to surveil and intercept whatever relevant information on terrorism. And then to clarify things in 2018, uh, Donald Trump signed what is called the Cloud Act, which clarified the law on overseas use of data. And uh, basically it gives easy access to the US government entities on all the data stored in uh, US owned data centers overseas. So, so uh, because of this cloud act, I saw lots of governments coming to me saying, Arno, how can we develop you know, another proposal, uh, we would like to have our sovereign data centers in our country. We would like to host everywhere but in the US. So when uh, Deep Square told us about uh, this, uh, this uh, great opportunity and idea, I thought it was, you know, uh, perfect for lots of the governments I've uh, worked with. 
So I would say that is the first point. And the second point being in Dubai, uh, sustainability is very high on uh, Dubai's agenda. You know very well that uh, the Dubai wants to be a zero carbon footprint by 2050. And, and, and there are lots of very smart guys working on how to achieve that. And, and by having zero carbon footprint data centers is one of the important pieces of the puzzle. Uh, in Dubai, and uh, let's say overall in the Emirates, uh, Emirates uh, Arab Emirates, United Arab Emirates, you have about 250 to 300 data centers already operating. So if imagine the heat, which is created by these data centers with the older technology. And I think what Deep Square brings and, and, uh, and we can expand on that is how we can uh, have a sustainable approach by using some uh, most modern te technologies like immersion cooling. Yeah, no, thanks for that. That's a fascinating overview. So a couple of things there, but I guess to begin with, you know, the, the example of governments, particularly governments in the region, um, wanting to localize their own data and yet also have their own cloud facilities is, you know, a very big debate. I think it's something the UAE is looking at, Saudi Arabia is looking at it very closely. There is the, a lot of sensitivities over nationalization of data, data privacy, um, you know, international uh, companies having um, perceived or, or actual access to uh, sensitive citizen data that, that should possibly be vested. Um, in a nation state or, or, or a government that represents its people. But one thing we've discussed is, is high performance computing, but what about the role of the blockchain and decentralized computing? Because really what, what I think Deep Square seems, seems to be saying is that this is a new model of hosting data as well. It's not just more sustainable, but it's more private, it's decentralized, it exists on the blockchain. Um, so how does that work? Dilmud, is that something that you could give us a bit of background in? Absolutely. I'll try not to go uh, too deep, but, um, you know, so steer me, please, if I'm, if, if I'm touching upon something that hasn't been previously explained, maybe to your listeners or uh, whatever. But in, in, in essence, um, apart from the fact that uh, users and um, universities and teams they would really like to have the compute operations happening, of course, in, in their own territories. So that's something that I'm very glad Arno said. But um, if we talk about how we tie in the blockchain, and in our case, it's really leveraging the blockchain as a tool, mostly for transparency. Of course, it has to do transparency and privacy go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Because also, you know, if we talk about open source or touch on that space there, that's something we might touch upon later on. But really what we are doing is we are recording each transaction. Of course, it is anonymous whose transaction it was, but every single transaction is recorded on the blockchain in an immutable fashion and decentralized and on an efficient blockchain. And we may also come to that later. Um, but to provide exactly that, to provide you with the knowledge that um, it is indeed being, like let's say, recorded and it is being dealt with in a transparent manner in a country or a location of your choosing. So we want to make this type of compute available to people where they want to consume it in their own jurisdictions. Wow, interesting. So you can build up local infrastructure. Um, but yeah, no, just to move into that a bit more. So I have two questions. The first is, you know, on the blockchain, can, can that, because there's this idea that blockchain transactions can sometimes be quite slow. 
and we are talking about high performance computing. So is there a latency or a speed um, payoff in regard to deep square when you're using the blockchain? I think that's the first question. Um, yeah. Okay, so talking about the speed, so um, we had uh, our initial token, uh, the Deep Square token, have it today on the Ethereum blockchain, which is mm. notoriously slow, yeah. expensive, because it is indeed today proof of work rather mm. than proof of stake. And this means that um, there's a huge amount of compute needed. Now, I can assure everybody that, that the intention is to move to a different blockchain, which will be one of today's more efficient or most efficient blockchains available. So it matches, of course, the ethos of the project too, but also the speeds and the transactions that we need um, to support it. So we are today looking at Avalanche, Polkadot, Solana, several of yeah. those newer blockchains, which are proof of stake or some variant thereof. And that's a very important point altogether. So the transaction speed will be very fast. The throughput will be um, much larger, so the actual pipe, and the cost of each transaction, of course, is largely reduced. Yeah, and just on that point, I mean, one of the first discussions I had with Arnaud about this project was that um, we've done a couple of episodes on the UAE Tech podcast uh, about um, virtual reality and, and online markets, be it large worlds with you know, millions or hundreds of millions of people or other just large scale platforms that require massive amounts of computing power. And at some point I read a work by an analyst called Matthew Ball, who basically looked at what the requirements were now to say host a server with a billion people on it in real time and said, look, the computing power for this at the moment doesn't exist. Based on what I'm looking at in Silicon Valley, I don't think it will exist in a centralized manner within the next decade or the next 15 years. As far as I'm concerned, and I'm paraphrasing Matthew Ball's work here, he argued that the only way he could see it working was through a decentralized, distributed um, put, you know, computing system where various computers all over the world were sharing resources across decentralized networks and, and based on you know, who was doing what at any time. So obviously, if you're computer, uh, your server's being fully used, then that doesn't work. But his argument was that going forwards, the only, the only solution he could really see, even if it's slow right now, was the kind of system you seem to be uh, describing. What do you think of that? Does it ring true? Or do you think, you know, we're, we're, it's hard to make that judgment just, just now? No, I think it rings true. And I think we, we can see it today with, with cloud gaming, for instance. Um, and of course, in, in, in gaming, all, all of you gamers out there, the ping time, you know, so the actual lack mm. of latency or how instant your reactions or actions are um, make a huge difference. And uh, of course, this means that there is a limit to how far away, because of the speed of light, there's a limit to how far away different pieces of infrastructure can be from each other. And that means that the deployment, at least in major centers, in, in let's say tier one cities initially, and then tier two cities or other locations then later. And that's how the cloud gaming industry has been tackling that. So I think it'll be exactly the same here for us, because essentially we're talking about cloud gaming, this type of universe or whatever. I don't want to say the metaverse word, but I've already said it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but yes, I mean, it it's th that's a slightly, you know, it's a slightly, uh, you know, a as a case study, I mean, it's it's one that draws a lot of people in, but there's actually a lot of 
you know, government entities and, and, and citizen services that could benefit from, um, you know, more efficient and more decentralized cloud storage. So, Arno, I know you mentioned the US Patriot and CloudX. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, solutions for data processing complex calculations at high speed. So I was reading, again, some background on DeepSquare, and you've basically argued that service storage, networking, software, services, cloud, and uh, the general global demand will be at 56 billion, uh, Europe demands 12 billion by 2028. They actually sound quite modest figures to some extent. But you guys have also pointed out that big tech controls 76% of this market, with 30 to 35% of those computing resources being idle. Now, this isn't just a kind of market competition argument. It's an argument that if artificial intelligence and, and deep learning are increasingly going to power citizen services, um, even transport infrastructure and some of the infrastructure that powers our cities, is it wise to have so much of that capacity in the hands of, of you know, US-based um, private corporations? I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. How is Deep Square trying to solve that? How is Deep Square trying to move into a market that's obviously very, very expensive and very competitive? Um, and why do you think it's important generally, not just for you know people who are in the computing and technology space, but for kind of citizens and, and public sector and 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 generally people who are who care about the, the future systems that power the civilization we live in. Mainly, sorry, I, I know, go ahead. No, no, I think I just wanted to start with, you know, I think we all agree that with the data uh, revolution, data is now the, the, the new gold. And uh, there is no uh, question about the need of computer uh, capabilities you need to manage this data. So it was for a first wave, it was about storing the data. And now when you look at all the interaction that governments have with their uh, citizen or uh, big large corporations or R&D centers with other R&D centers, you see that it's not anymore about putting uh, some data in the cloud. It's about having the right applications in the cloud, being the link between the different entities, whether it's citizen to government or government to citizen or research centers to research centers or big corporations having a need for all their R&D centers to connect and, and work together. So I think there is uh, an obvious exploding need for not only uh, data centers, but high performance data centers. And for the reason you explained about the Patriot and, and the Cloud Act, there will be a huge space for non-US players. And we've seen that in Europe, you have many, many, many uh, uh, companies having already started positioning themselves in, in this space and they will certainly grow very well. So that, that is for the, the, the big picture. Maybe I will let, let uh, the Armid go more yeah, into the details on how we solve that uh, with probably. what technologies. Mm, thanks, Demut. Sorry about that. Yeah, please. And no problem at all. So the I think the biggest danger of uh, something like this is putting innovation in the hands of very few and in the hands of very few with a certain view of the world. And of course, they have a responsibility to their shareholders, but it's all profit driven. It is driven by, by those motives. It's not driven by making this available to everybody. Whereas with Deep Square, 
that is in, indeed our, our intention. It, it is about democratizing the access and the availability of this type of compute, making it affordable um, and making sure that the right people are able to have access to this. So for instance, uh, we know today that only the largest corporations, a lot of them US-based, which has happened throughout our, our recent history, um, have access to this kind of compute power because it costs an awful lot. I think you've quoted somewhere else about training some of the uh, largest, um, you know, models are working with the largest data sets using GPT-3, I think it is in particular for deep learning training. Yeah. But that can cost millions. And this is not something that the normal uh, enterprise or, you know, the normal local um, SME or the even even at university level, something like. Yeah, this I mean, possible. you need to apply. Don't you need to apply for, for access to GP3 anyway? You need to have research access or. I know. No, so so it, 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 it can be used by, 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 by anybody because it, it just is a type of. Um, uh, we'll call it an application or a framework mm -hmm. or whatever you want in that regard, but you need access to extremely powerful compute to make proper use out of it. That's the point. Interesting. And yeah. um, if, if, if we think about today, even, even training like a modest model um, with one of the hyperscalers, it can cost you something like $50,000 and more in order to extract meaningful results. And the point is that um, <clears throat> not to their but by, by design with the hyperscalers, they've designed their layers to be flexible. So even though they are able to offer this um, HPC-like type of infrastructure, um, what they're doing is providing a shell. In other words, it means um, that it is uh, the hardware and stuff just uh, configured to a certain amount where someone now has to go and start. Whereas, of course, with DeepSquare, we want to give the data scientists the um, and, and, and others the ability uh, to go straight in and they focus on their data and on their models and the whole environment and everything else is being looked after for them. I wanted to also ask, you've got this idea of a marketplace, a portal, cluster manager and a hardware platform. Um, I know that might be a good um, segue into talking a little bit about Dubai and how the infrastructure of DeepSquare is slightly different to what's available on the market at the moment. Yeah, I think at the moment, the, 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 the main major data centers in Dubai are about storing data. And as, uh, as Diarmuid explained very well, we are about you know, giving capability of supercomputing to people inventing you know, new ways of interacting. And, and, and I'm, I'm very impressed with what Dubai has become as a, as a blockchain and a cryptocurrency hub. Uh, I've seen more and more uh, people coming to Dubai. Uh, and then I saw some entrepreneurs that based in Europe, they uh, tried different places before coming to Dubai and they finally found that Dubai was the best place for uh, incubating their projects. And all those projects are about, you know, developing uh, technologies, services, applications based on the blockchain, uh, generating tokens, utility tokens, and trying to, to, to uh, uh, have as many people using this service. And, and when they look at uh, you know, their service, they don't think so much about the infrastructure behind, and they don't put that into their business cases. And uh, thanks to uh, DeepSquare, there is the possibility to host whatever uh, developed platform on uh, DeepSquare infrastructure, and then we get, they get rid of all the issues on financing and controlling and you know, the data 
GDPR, whatever is around, uh, you know, management of, of data and management of, uh, of, you know, interaction with the users uh, from far. So, so I think uh, Dubai is one of the vibrant places for that new ecosystem and will develop very quickly. And, and we believe with Deep Square that there is, uh, you know, great opportunities for us to help this ecosystem and work with it uh, here. Great. So, I mean, what might be the entrance strategy or the key addressable market that the Deep Square is looking at to begin with? Um, you know, when you when you start providing services, what are, what are the first things you're going to try and both do? Well, we are working together with uh, customers today who are um, in spaces like like AI. These are people who are um, teaching models to identify COVID from X-rays or they are um, looking at smart video feeds to try to detect, detect violence before something becomes in any way serious so that someone can be alert, uh, alerted and intervene. There's a host of very interesting projects which are taking place, but also we're working together with uh, universities and institutes of higher education that are um, simulating certain physical conditions, for instance, the uh, vortex created from a turbine, uh, which could be any kind of turbine, and the secondary vortex, and you have to run these simulations typically for quite a long time, we're able to vastly speed that up for them. So in other words, solving any kind of engineering, physics, um, artificial intelligence, uh, media. Media is another large one for us as well, because of course, um, quite a lot of rendering uh, takes place. You have smaller uh, media agencies who do quite a lot for their clients. Of course, you also have the big movie business as well. And again, all of these are examples, but we're starting off with the concrete cases that we have. So in other words, focusing on AI, which is where we're most at home. And then we're also adding immediately um, support for certain applications like MATLAB, ANSYS, um, and lots of others that are uh, household names to the engineers that use them on a daily basis. And really, it's through the vibrant, let's say, um, startup uh, and even, even scale-up uh, sector plus the universities, institute of, institutes of, of higher learning and research centers that were growing initially. And presumably some of those centers, I mean, particularly in Europe, um, would ordinarily have some kind of economic or, or difficulties accessing those kind of resources. They have, they, they have two challenges accessing those resources. So first of all, they have to apply. And in some cases that takes months um, for them to get permission, maybe to use either a national supercomputer or something to that effect. And then of course, they're only granted a limited time. And the other thing as well is if they decide to go a different route, it can be extremely costly to them. And they um, don't want to spend all of their budget in that regard or can't spend all of their budgets. Um, you know, they couldn't afford to just do a quick 50,000 project or whatever it might be. Um, also, they, ah, they can't, by they, different route, do you mean it's hard for them to make mistakes? So everything has to be pre-planned. They can't pivot. Or are you talking more, more about, is, is that a project planning point or is that a kind of um, freedom to, to work on what they want point? I think it's a project planning point, really, because, Great. you know, yeah, they have sure to, you know, yeah, yeah, they are, it's, it, it, it's, 
generally public money, uh, which has to mm. be accounted for and spent correctly, of course, or in the best fashion. So some of that money today does get spent on the um, the, the, the public uh, cloud players. But of course, they've got to make sure that it's uh, information which is non-sensitive, non-personal, um, you know, otherwise they would love to work on a whole host of other things, but they also have internal policies to make sure that the uh, data never leaves their, their jurisdiction, in some cases, yeah. even, even their campuses. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that, it's, it's interesting because, you know, behind a lot of this conversation and learning quite a lot more about the, the scene in Europe, and there are some, some, some definite differences, and it is interesting to see kind of European companies looking at um, high-performance computing and, and looking at the blockchain. Um, on that note, I know we have kind of uh, one thing that we haven't really gone into detail on, which is the sustainability issue. Now, in Europe, that's a very big buzzword, almost as, as bad as the metaverse, but it is significant, and it is, as we've seen, um, pr pretty legitimate when it comes to the amount of resources and energy that is spent on some of these um, systems. So I know Arnaud mentioned it, but just very quickly, there's this idea of reselling heat and, and there's this idea that Deep Square is much more sustainable when compared to existing uh, platforms. How does that work? Why is that important? So mostly um, in, in, in any uh, compute scenario, computers or electronics are fantastic at turning electricity into heat. It's essentially what they do. So um, just consider them as heaters, more or less. And of course, that having to be cooled, typically using air. And air has quite a low thermal capacity. And you need to use an awful lot of it and move an awful lot of it around in order to uh, sufficiently cool these components to keep them running optimally. Uh, because the hotter they get, the more mistakes they make is kind of how it happens. But um, the, 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 the approach taken, so not only from, from, from the source and not only in the actual design of the hardware itself that we mentioned, but as to where we set up um, these clusters. And really, we're looking for uh, locations that can make use of that heat sensibly. Um, so it will either be uh, a district heating. So our, our first cluster, the one in Sion in Switzerland, is connected to the district heating. So it's currently warming homes. And I know they had snow there this morning. So that's fantastic. It's helping there. And um, also, uh, we foresee uh, tying into some industrial processes as well that use a certain amount of heat. And the, the type of heat being generated is always going to be to a certain degree low-grade heat, but that can be used pretty much everywhere, even, even in Dubai, because in Dubai, what you would do is you just run the cluster a little bit hotter, a little bit warmer. In other words, keeping it, um, making sure that it's running just a little over the ambient temperature so that that can also be used to add additional energy for uh, hot water systems, for instance, which have to be over 60 degrees in most cases to prevent uh, the spread of bacteria or other things to that effect. But again, having that built in from the ground up and in, as part of the concept, we see it, it's important everywhere. Okay, so I think now most people listening will have a pretty good technical understanding of what Deep Square is working on. And I think the only thing going back to that we haven't perhaps covered is the kind of governance structure. I think you referenced it earlier, um, Dermud, but we've got this community tokenomics and governance idea underpinning 
the structure of Deep Square. It seems like it's slightly different to a private corporation. So Arno, I wanted to ask um, how that works just in general terms and why that might be attractive to jurisdictions such as Dubai. So, so um, the, the, I think from the beginning, as, as the army said, uh, the, the idea was to create a community where uh, people would be the um, ambassadors of the brand and of the service. So, so, so what we've done so far is we've gathered uh, around us about 200 IT experts and, and people from the global IT world, understanding what we're trying to do. And, and because they understand, they, you know, they invested in the company. And, uh, and now, because they believe in it, they are uh, trying to promote this uh, company and what it could do uh, uh, to the bigger world and try to expand as oil to uh, you know lots of different communities and myself being based in Dubai I'm more uh, you know active in Dubai but but as overall uh, the, the way we believe uh, the, the the world would go it's uh, being decentralized and being a community world mm, that makes yeah. sense so I suppose if you because you can build out the infrastructure and the hardware locally so even though it's a decentralized concept you know it, it, at the moment i believe it's based in um switzerland is that correct correct yeah but you can also build a kind of local infrastructure so would the idea there be not just you know access to data and data privacy and decentralized data but also a kind of governance structure where decisions are being made um by members who are using that service rather than presumably private shareholders in Silicon Valley or in Washington. Is it, so is that one of the reasons this governance structure could be interesting to um, you know, various entities around the world? Absolutely. And, you know, we would invite and encourage others to, you know, to take part. And we see it happening in exactly the way you mentioned, John, which was that as, as, we, as we grow, and the ideal picture would, of course, to have these decentralized clusters all around being there to use and, and also to be managed and governed, essentially, by uh, those who are having uh, the, the benefit of them. Um, absolutely. That's how we see the whole thing growing. Okay, so I mean, just to draw today's conversation to a close, I think we should move back to the blockchain because there is this idea of Web3, there's this idea of, of blockchain is already transforming so many of the systems that we're using on a daily basis, and that is just going to accelerate. How do you see Deep Square as positioning itself for the future? Because, you know, we've already pointed out there's a lot of competition in this space, there's some very in, entrenched incumbents. What do you think is the future of high-performance computing? Do you think this is something that startups um, increasingly will want access to you to? And what are the areas of the economy that you think this will become increasingly critical to in the future, in the near-term future? We see that the... Um, especially if we look at AI and if we look at the blockchain at both, they're both absolutely in their infancy. Um, I think as I was describing it earlier, uh, they are at an embryo stage, um, not even uh, anything you know, much, much developed beyond that. The point is that we only know that 
AI can and is being used in most verticals. Very surprising to me. I come from the cloud and hosting worlds. And then because of uh, C-Square, because of this deep learning training platform together with my team of data scientists, I saw that it was actually getting traction or being used in every single vertical. So when I was asked what vertical is most likely to use, I had to say that there is an application to derive the best from data um, in pretty much every situation. Yeah, and, I, we, we've, yeah. we've actually covered that in a previous episode um, with, with, with two, on two previous episodes, we had someone who kind of specialized in e-commerce and was, was running a similar system um, to you actually, but he was also saying, you know, we're using a lot of these AI deep learning cloud infrastructure for so many different kinds of clients that, that he was surprised. And also, of course, I think one of the reasons governments are, are often important is they kind of almost have a bird's eye view and they can see, oh, here are all these different industries that are relying on some of this infrastructure. Um, but I do take your point, and there is this argument, um, you know, that you see in the crypto community, you see in the blockchain community, and then, you know, other analysts and, and, and big tech players disagree. But there's this idea that, in a way, the internet and some of the core infrastructure of the internet is being rebuilt across decentralized platforms. Um, and it's almost as if, you know, um, a lot of the, the established incumbents that have been there over the past 10, 20 years are beginning to be challenged through these new networks and these new systems. Do, do you see that happening? And do you think AI might be something that increasingly, you know, researchers and, and entrepreneurs will use? Or do you think it will retain something that is highly specialized, research focused, engineering focused? It is going to get easier and easier and easier for um, people who are not data scientists who are not engineers uh, to make use of this. It's pretty much like any technology evolution that we have seen over the years. Uh, it starts off meaning that only specialists or those who are really um, uh, into it and dedicated and trained and that can make use of it. But then more and more, um, those who are not specialists can also gain benefits and can gain stuff from it. It just means that the right set of tools which are being put together, the right type of applications for them to use and to consume. And it's also part of the, 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 the ethos at Deep Square, where we are indeed not just leaving people to do whatever they want, but uh, to offer them a helping hand. And I think we'll see mostly in financial sectors and in, in, in other adjacent sectors, a huge change coming about in the, in the next years because of this. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that. Um, I know I wanted to ask you just to kind of draw this conversation to a close today. How much of a challenge is this? Because the things you're both describing, um, you know, decentralized blockchain-based high-performance computing, um, which is sustainable, um, which can be localized and, and used uh, by governments as, as well as researchers and entrepreneurs. How difficult is it to, to get this off the ground? What are your team doing to kind of promote this? And, and what, is, what is the aim for the next, you know, couple of months and years ahead? So, so I think what is key to understand is that the company being new used has decided to use all the uh, newest technologies and, and mechanisms, but, but it's all things which have been tested. So there is limited, you know, it's not uh, long-term innovation. It's, uh, you know, using the best technologies to solve an issue that people have, which is sustainability, high performance, 
and uh, non-US uh, capabilities, then uh, it's all will be in the execution. The, the Deep Square has, uh, has a plan to deploy 15 of those data centers minimum uh, by 2025, could be more, uh, and, and will, uh, you know, uh, uh, have to achieve that by uh, finding the right business model with a mix of uh, the, the right investors, uh, and will uh, maybe the, the I mean, will go more into how we we, we plan to uh, gather the right funding. But all is in the execution to start, and we've started. We have already one uh, data center working in, in Switzerland in in Lausanne University, a very famous R and D uh, center of Europe. And, and uh, second one uh, will come uh, somewhere early next week, next uh, year, sorry, and, and will grow and grow and grow uh, the number of, uh, of uh, data centers where the objective is to have between one and two data centers per quarter deployed. And that won't be only in, in Switzerland, that will be in, uh, in, we have a roadmap of different countries uh, that is being uh, finalized. Dubai would be an obvious uh, choice for, uh, or uh, Abu Dhabi for uh, a few of those centers. Uh, so, so I think it's all about execution. About we have the right technology, the right team. The team, if you look at you know Deep Square IO uh, portal, you'll see the quality of the, of the the team which has created the the project. And it's uh, all about just doing it. It's not, there is no um, hidden complexities. I think we've we we know the complexity and the, and we've worked with it. And 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 it's just doing it uh, at the right pace. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albuaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Albuaba Business, syndication distribution on Albuaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.